this your shepherd? Ah, my little flock. Is this the one? Who has made your puny heart bold? With hope. Good. The taste of despair is so much sweeter when it's torn from the cradle of faith. And now... Now the slaughter begins! Hey everyone, Yutha uh, here. No, your eyes do not deceive you. That's right, we're following episode 10 with Spooky, episode number 13. What better way is there to start the spookiest month of the year, October, than with creepiest, kookiest number, number 13. And that's why we're doing this. And it's not because of uh, an embarrassing admin error that that went undetected until it, it was too late and now i'm stuck recording this uh, on friday uh to explain you know how sometimes you feel like you're drowning but you're dry it it's not that at all uh, it's because it's, it's spooky uh october Woo. and hey while i still have you got some i got two quick requests for you if you know anyone in wellington um uh, my show uh, the witching hours which is a live recorded uh, podcast radio drama series uh, is having a uh, a season at Bats Theatre at the end of this month. Uh, it'll be great fun. Check it out. I mentioned it at the end of the podcast. I'll mention it uh, at the beginning as well. And we're also running a, a boosted crowdfunding campaign so that um, we can pay everyone involved a living wage. Uh, I know things are tough uh, right now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, these are uh, frustratingly depreceded times. Um, so anything you could do, whether that's contributing to the campaign or sharing it, um, you can find it at boosted.org.nz slash projects slash the hyphen witching hyphen hours. And if you can contribute, contribute. If you can share the link, uh, share the link. Other than that, uh, I'll leave you with um, me from the past, but the show's future. So this is the 13th episode of Shite and Sound. It is. Spooky number 13. The, the absolute scariest number. When we first started talking about starting a podcast. You know, I, I said I'll only do 12 episodes because I'm terrified of a number 13. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you did say that, like a tiny shivering aardvark, you said, I can't do it, um, you refuse to go to bakeries because of the concept of a baker's dozen. Yep, I'm surprised like there aren't any Friday the 13th movies yet, where Jason is a baker, and instead of wearing a <laughs> yeah, hockey okay. mask, um, I don't know, he covers his face in dough. So it's Friday the baker's dozen... Yeah, no, no, That's per quite, perfect. I do quite like that idea of him... With just quite a doughy face. And it's like, this time he has a lot to prove. Um, you said, well, I, well, I've had this idea to do a podcast where we watch He it. needs to kill. <laughs> um, okay, that's the end of the podcast. Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, this installment. Um, you said, uh, I've been having, a, I've had an idea, watch a good film and a bad film. 
Uh, and I said, that's a perfect idea because it, of course, lines up with our names. <laughs> Youth is shite. <laughs> and Finn sounds Nicholas. <laughs> that's right, sound. Um, and like that, that's a good idea. We've had fun, you know, mm. watching a good film and then a bad film. And sometimes we think the good film is bad and the, the bad film is good. Yep. But I never believed that you would uh, deliberately mislead me by by making me watch two bad films. <laughs> Um, oh, I don't actually. Is that at all? Is that anything at all? Nah, mm, not no. nah. Because well, bunches. I'll probably end up sound. Oh, fuck. yeah. I, no, I think yeah. You, I was just. I was like through a lot of blood rain too. I kept thinking like I want to turn this on into an opportunity. <laughs> um, to diss uh the wild bunch, which is the other the good film we watched, number eighty nine, right? Yep, number eighty nine. Um, but so, uh, that's my abortive intro. As you'll have noticed, I put very little effort into it or thought. Um, and yet, um, by the very fact that I'm releasing it, I'm implying I've put some kind of work into it, which makes it a better intro for Blood Rain 2 colon deliverance, um, than it is for the Wild Bunch. Uh, Yes. So that's my intro. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, I think um, I, I, I liked this one a lot. It, it was a bit more low energy than usual, yeah. uh, but it was um, it was about 17 minutes shorter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it, it, it was uh, 17 minutes shorter. That's, that's all I care about in films now is running length, right? Like my dream film is 30 minutes long. My yeah. dream film is television. <laughs> and my dream television is film. Your dream, your dream films are yeah. television shows. Your dream television shows are queebies. Yeah. Your dream queebies are TikToks. Yeah. And your dream TikToks are vines. Yeah. And my dream vines are, are still images. Yeah. Memes. And my dream memes, just dreams, like dreams fall under memes. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpoint of these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 89 on the Sight and Sound list, for Wild Bunch. Sam Peckinpah's hyper-violent study of a bunch of old men trying to feel young again. Now, second film this week was Garbage Master Uwe Boll's Blood Rain 2 Deliverance, the world's first vampire western if you don't count Near Dark or The Wild Bunch. Um. So I, I think it's just important to, to like state right at the beginning yeah. that although it might not seem like it to people who have watched The Wild Bunch, <laughs> uh, The Wild Bunch is a vampire movie. Uh, um, yeah, and, uh, but like you don't need to explain this to me. That's the connection is so obvious that it, it needn't be said. So two of the main characters in the Wild Bunch are uh, uh, are a pair of brothers who are called uh, Tector and Lyle Gorch. Yeah, they're the those two guys. They're like they're the the two brothers in the Oceans team. You know, yeah. one of them is played by Warren Oates. One of them is played by someone else. Um, I believe Hall. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. What? So no, it's it was not played by Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> 
Cylon and Garfunkel. <laughs> my second favorite joke from Futurama. What's your first favorite joke from Futurama? Um, the man from the neutral planet saying, if I die, tell my wife hello. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Brothers Tector and Lyle Gorch. And when their names were first said in the movie, that like rang some bells in my brain. And I was like, hmm, I've heard those names before. And they are characters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In seasons uh, two and three, uh, uh, there, there are two cowboy vampires named Tector and Lyle Gorch who show up. And it is canon in the Buffy universe uh, that they are the same uh, characters from the Wild Bunch. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a vampire movie. Yeah, uh, and I... Uh, uh, you know, say what you want about Joss Whedon, uh, Ray Fisher certainly does. Yep. Um, uh, and to be clear, I believe him. Yes. Um, uh, 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 also his wife and probably other people. Mm. Um, but he, he has, he's part of a legacy family. His father wrote for films, uh, and no, he wrote for television. He wrote for something like the Lucy show or, or things like that. Um, and so we know that the Whedon family was working in Hollyweird, uh, as I believe I'm the first person to call uh, it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think anyone else has called it yeah, that. Yeah, around the time the Wild Bunch would have been made. And I can only assume that at some uh, glittering party full of dotted with stars of the silver screen. But like, who, who, who are we talking about this party? Well, it's 1969 to yep. 1970, so obviously we've got Steve McQueen there. Oh, uh, oh yeah. that's, that's good. And he's just like, I've got this great idea. It's uh, a film about racism called 12 Years a Slave. Um, I'm a small child. There's also... Yeah. And he was like, right now I'm, I'm making a film about Michael Fassbender's dick. <laughs> uh, it's going to take a long time. Who's Michael Fassbender? Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, he's famous for quite a few things, but let's focus right now on his uh, spousal abuse um, and the fact that he's in Frank, which is a film about, oh man, okay, so <laughs> experimental music. <laughs> And, you know, uh, the film stars of the era are just sitting there shaking their heads. Yeah. But it, the, 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 these losers haven't even heard yeah. Captain Beefheart yet. They're not going to be ready for yeah. Frank. Um, I mean, Captain Beefheart does kind of feed into Frank. Yeah, no, I see. So you, you were being smarter than me yeah. uh, in a way that was interesting, compelling and concise. And I refuse to stand for that. And uh, but at this glittering party, full of the beautiful, attractive people, they, um, uh, Mr. Whedon, Daddy Whedon, uh, as all members of the Whedon family have gone on to insist on being referred to. As, well, uh, I believe since he made all his money in Hollywood, he now wants to be referred to as Daddy Weedbucks. <laughs> so yeah, Daddy, Daddy, which Weedbucks. is also Snoop Dogg's name. Um, was talking to the one average-looking person in the room. Uh, and was like, so um, there's this thing that's like totally, that's my impression of Just Whedon dialogue. Uh, it's hard to do because a lot of it's based on repetition of what people have previously said. Uh, and then the normal person guy, no, normal person said like, that is a good impression of Whedon dialogue because it does involve a lot of repeating what the other person has said. I have just finished working on a film. My name is Erg Ernest Borgnine. The most normal-looking celebrity I, ever. I, I am the, the ninth Ernest Borg. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ernest Borg nine uh, um, is uh, the, uh, earnestness is futile. Uh, is the there is 
in the original pitch for the Star Trek film First Contact, which, as you know, uh, is about a team of Borg traveling back into their, into Star Trek's past, but our future to to um, stop the first light speed flight, mm-hmm. which is how uh, the Vulcans met humans. Blah blah blah. Yes, we, one we, of, we, 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 all, we all know this. We've, uh, we've all seen the film many times. Yeah, I'm. I know it's like you know it's in my top ten. <laughs> Star, Star Trek films. You almost yeah. said Star Wars. <laughs> no, I mean, it would also be in my top, like... Yeah, but that's because there's not many good Star Wars films. Um, okay, okay, cool. So, uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, shite or sound? Uh, that's fine. Okay, shite. Uh, Wrath of Khan? Uh, sound, yeah. Shite. No, shite. Search for Spark? Uh, I, I remember liking that more than yeah, Wrath no, of Khan. No, no, no. Uh, 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 um... Uh, uh, Search for Spark is very much the From Russia with Love um, in that it's full of latent homoeroticism and also is like the connoisseur's pick. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, 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 Ernest Borgnine says, I was working on this, I'm working on this uh, Western film uh, uh, and we've got all this plot and uh, Sam Peckinpah, this new guy's directing it. Um but a really key bit of information is that two of our characters are vampires, and we've just we've not been able to shoot any of the footage that reveals that. Um, yeah, because of course, at, like as we all know, yeah. at, at the time, nineteen sixty nine, they, they did not have the technology for like uh, for, for like CGI fangs yet. Yeah, no, or uh, yeah, the whole kind of beasting out that mm. we know from the documentaries Buffy the Vampire Slayer and television documentary Angel mm. um, uh, about. Uh, how they look and so daddy whedon bucks was like i want to i promise you ernest borgnine the one normal looking person in this room (laughs) that i will tell this story and so then he went home and was like hey he went home he he made it like almost the entire way home he opened the front door of his house and then uh, was hit by a drunk driver (laughs) and he got he opened the door and he said hey there's a thing i want to tell you about the wild bunch and vampires and then the car drove through his house and uh, um, of course scarring a uh, 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 scarring a a young joss whedon which explains why he enjoys suddenly killing people yeah and so joss whedon spent years trying to figure out what the secret of the wild bunch was and he talked to as many people as he could find who had worked on the film he went through old archival materials he 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 did everything he could until he finally he, he found a recording of Ernest Borgnine's deathbed confession yeah now the, the he, had, police, he had to go to the future for statement that because that ernest borgnine had taken because ernest borgnine died in the 2010s so so jocelyn had to go to the future this is, this is how dedicated he was he got ernest borgnine's final words which were the vampires were tector and and lyle gorch and then just went back in time made buffy the vampire slayer so that in seasons two and three he could have each of those brothers show up for an episode um, part of Joss Whedon's story... Oh, and also, uh, the backstory is not mentioned in the actual show. That's part of the wider <laughs> canon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. It's, the thing um, about Joss Whedon's storytelling is that he forefronts showing over telling. Um, so it's all implied. <laughs> yeah. So we're watching The Wild Bunch, and my first question to you, Finn Nicholas, with one N, that's is it. That, is that... 
In, just, 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 just one in total? Yeah, Finn Nicholas. Yeah. There's one in, and it's the F-I-N-I-C-O-L-A-S, end of... F-I-N-I-C-O-L-A-S, yeah. Yep, Finn Nicholas. Finn Nicholas. Um, or sound, as I should call you now. <laughs> or sound, as I should call you now. I'm still confused, having just watched this film, exactly which of the multiple bunches was wild. Okay, so so let's go over the three different bunches, and then, then we can help people figure that out. So first we've got, we've got our, our main bunch, yeah. which is a group of bank robbers led by William Holden and uh, he's got Ernest Borgnine as his second in command yeah. and there's some other people mm-hmm. including the Gorchers yeah. in, in that group. And what do we meet these guys doing? They're riding into town past a group of evil children who are murdering some scorpions with uh, fire ants. Yeah, that is the the beginning of this film is close-ups on fire ants killing scorpions. Yeah. But but not, not just like Oh, on like an anthill or something. But the, ch- the children have like built like have, have like built a fighting pit yeah. that they are all standing around and gawking at as as these ants devour these this like family of scorpions. And then past the children, we we, we see men on horses riding into town. They're all dressed as soldiers, and they come into town and they hold up a bank. While they're holding up the bank, we meet our second bunch, uh, which is led by Robert Ryan, who used to be a member of the first bunch, yeah. but has uh, since debunched. Yeah. And he has created a bunch branch. <laughs> That's good. Uh, this yeah. is some good summarizing, Finn, I have to tell you. It's like I'm here. <laughs> You can re- you can really feel the dust in my summary. Okay. Oh, I mean, also, w- would you consider that that gang of children to be a bunch? Um, I think I would put a question mark next to the children because we don't know what their interpersonal politics are yeah, like. No fair. They could be more like a a, a cluster of bunch, a, a, a sort of a sort of loose conglomerate of yeah. children who enjoy animal cruelty. Yeah, or like they could like some members of them could be like Pixar, like they're owned by Disney, but not. You know, they kind of still operate in their own way. Uh, but those ants, absolutely a wild bunch. No, okay, that's fair. Yeah. We have our, our, our second uh, second bunch led by Robert Ryan playing the character of Dick Thornton. Yeah. Uh, who used to be part of the main bunch, uh, but uh, uh, he was captured and sent to jail. And now his way of of of, uh, of getting a pardon is to help bring his old gang to justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is working for a railroad magnate called Mister Harrigan, and him and Mister Harrigan and a bunch of so like kind of like second rate hired goons are all on top of uh, a building overlooking the bank because they have uh, basically set up this bank heist as as sort of like a, a trap to get the, the 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 main bunch in there. Uh, and when when the the main bunch uh, realizes uh, that uh, they're like uh, they're sort of been set up, uh, they they uh, they come out of the bank uh, guns blazing yep. uh, into the middle of a temperance march um, temperance movement like marching band yeah who uh, are, w- w- would you consider the temperance movement people to be an, another bunch oh I agree they're a bunch they are absolutely not in contention f- to for, be wild no right yeah so uh, so. The 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 uh, uh, the the bank bunch yeah. that they they come they come out of the bank guns blazing right right into the middle of this temperance march and this leads to a, may, maybe uh, the best shootout I've ever seen in a movie like the 
it's it, like it has few competitors for scale. Yeah, surely. no, it, yeah, it, it is. I mean, like like right at the end of the sixties, when the sort of restrictions around around violence on film were were being relaxed. Well, and they were still that was that wasn't yet really happening while this film was being made. So they were making while they were making this film, they were making a film that was possibly too graphic to release, which I mean, makes like, it even more uh, interesting. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it was if, uh, I can't remember if it was the year before or two years before, but um, uh, there had already been uh, there had already been Arthur Penn's version of Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. which I think is very similar in, in, in its approach to, to violence. Yes. But we have this incredible shootout. There are like 20 main people in it and a couple of hundred extras and uh, the single dustiest street in the world. And t- ten horses, a uh, full marching band, yeah, and uh, it, it is it's so incredibly like chaotic. It does a thing that like a lot of a lot of action movies these days cannot do, which is it is able to be chaotic, uh, but still totally readable. Yeah. You 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 know where everyone is in relation to everyone else, and like and e- e- even though it is like it is cutting extremely fast between between like like at least a dozen different or yeah. like point of view characters. It, it is, it is still so cool. All of whom on. who look incredibly similar. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 it does some like, fan, it does some absolutely fantastic. Things. One of my favorite things it does is uh, there's a man on top of a roof. He gets shot. He falls off the roof in slow motion, but instead of just like watching him fall all the way down, it, it, it cuts, it, it cuts like, a bunch of other people shooting for five or six seconds. I mean, it cuts back to this guy, and he's, now he's halfway to the ground, and you see him for a second, and it cuts back and see how people. I mean, it cuts back, and you see him landing on the ground, and so it, it's it, which is a trick the film pulls a couple of times yeah. each time to great effect. Mm. Like the the fucking stunt work in this film is ridiculous. There, uh, during the film, I went to look up. Uh, how many horses were killed on set after a particular stunt? You you pulled out his phone and said, "Siri." How many horses died during the making of the Wild Bunch? And uh, and I don't know about horses, so I'm just going to have to guess at some. Yeah. Uh, but there were two injuries on set, and that feels like they got off lightly. Yeah, the, 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 this. Wait, I, I I I I do not know how how they were able to do. A lot of this stuff because there are there are some like falls from yeah. like, incredible heights. There are like people just standing on explosions. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like oh. the amount of blood in the squibs. Yes. Like that will be like them going off on you will be like someone punching you. Oh yes, and, and it's not just like oh like you've got one squib on you. People yep. have like seven or eight squibs yep. on them, and like oh god, I. It, it it is like every death is like the killing of Sonny Corleone. Y- yes, yeah. After the shootout, where some of the main group managed to get away, we have a really interesting scene of people in the town trying to deal with the aftermath of this like incredible, horrible violence that's just yeah. occurred. And these two scenes, like put together, showing the influence that Italian westerns are, are having on on American westerns in terms of their violence, and also in terms of their cynicism towards American institutions. Yeah. As soon as the scene is done, you you see the the, the street like littered with, with dead bodies. Covered in blood, and and immediately everyone in the town starts like 
point starts like laying the blame on the railroad magnate, Mr. Harrigan. Like, why, why would you organize a fucking shootout in the middle of our town? Yeah. You, you are responsible for this. Whereas, like, um, you know, in, in, in most westerns, you see this sort of like railroad magnate is, if not a good guy, but, but at, le- at least like some sort of like, he, he represents an idea of civilization. Well, yeah. Um, and another thing that can connects both uh, uh, the Wild Bunch and Deliverance brackets, Blood Rain Two close brackets. It's like Peninsula. Um, is that they both ha- pre- present the arrival of railroads to the West, as in the Wild West, which is mm. let's acknowledge now uh, an entire fiction. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a, a fabricated monomyth so that Americans can feel better about the innate fascism of the state in which they live. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, sorry, just a date stamp. Today's episode, uh, woke up this morning to, um, old Drumpf over there. Got him! Um, fuck you, Drumpf. Uh, making it clear that he won't accept election results. Just a timestamp today. Uh, and so if you feel a growing sense of despair in me, that's just because it's the day of the week because it's yep. Friday. Um, but anyway, uh, is that they have a real skepticism and fear of what that railroad coming will bring. Uh, and kind of through that, there is a real anxiety about what the West actually engaging with the world means, mm. um, which is in, in both. And Blood Rain definitely doesn't mean it. But Wild no. Bunch is kind of very much like, look at what animals we've become. No one can see this. Yeah, And so like a lot of it feels like a lot of it is a film about regret and people trying to make up for past mistakes by making more mistakes, really. Yeah. Same, by the way. Mood. After the scene of the people in the town trying to trying to deal with the, the sort of fallout of, of this like horrible violence that's just occurred, uh, we, we go back to uh, uh, we go back to our, our our main bunch. Yeah, they are heading out of town. One of them has been uh, uh, shot in the face. Yeah, and he's so injured that he can't ride anymore. So the the leader of the gang shoots him in the head to to put him out of his misery. Yeah, and who hasn't had to do that? Yeah, no, I, I you know there, there have been so many open mics where I've just had to just 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 had to put someone out of their misery. There is a Hannibal villain, right? And like an open mic comedian who has to systematically kill every audience member who doesn't laugh at him. And he like turns them into marionettes so he can laugh at them. And well, like, okay, like, so like that, that's, that's what Joker would have been if it was like good. Yeah. And had any uh, interesting ideas. Just working Phoenix on a stage <laughs> with a set of Freddy got fingered long puppet strings, <laughs> puppeteering an audience full of corpses so that their heads bobble up and down and laugh. Yeah. No, this th- is my design. <laughs> yeah. And then right at the end of a set, like right, right at his big closer, Zazzy Beats comes in yeah. and she's like, oh, he is funny. Yeah. This is great. I can date him now. And then she fades away into nothingness because she was a figment of his imagination. Um, And then he does his f- killer fight. Final joke. What happens? Why? Why? Why did the chicken cross the road? Because I'm the Joker. Ju- <laughs> oh no! I'm, I was going to quote the actual film, but oh, yours is. See, I can't remember any quotes from the actual film. I can remember this because this is the line he says before he. No spoiler alert! If you haven't seen that film, don't fuck that film. Even yeah. what do you get? All oh, right, no, when yes, you I cross a, a sad, mentally ill man. 
with a big uncaring society and then robert de niro's like what and he goes this and then shoots uh, I mean, him in the said, head you get what you fucking deserve you get what you fucking deserve and he shoots robert de niro in the face i mean look i'm not gonna say it's something we all haven't dreamed of doing i don't know not in the face then he couldn't be like, oh, you shot me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that is a good point. He, he does use his, like, my he pro- does use his face to go, mm, a lot. <laughs> the problem mm, is mm. my impression of Robert De Niro is entirely visible. Entirely visible. <laughs> you see? Yeah, you no, it's, it's a good Robert De Niro <laughs> yeah, face. No, I just can't. I'm, ro- I'm ro- hello, I'm Robert De Niro. Hey. Hey, uh. Wait, sometimes have you ever? It's becoming a real theme on this podcast of us just doing the laziest impressions <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite of the trip. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, the opposite of the trip. <laughs> and so, 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 um, if this podcast is is successful, so share, tell your friends, mm-hmm. like, and subscribe. Um, we will do when this podcast hits. A hundred thousand downloads average per episode. Yeah. Just so you know, me and Finn will do the trip of the trip, in which we travel to the locations of the trip and watch the trip films. and and and, and then do all, all of the same impressions that they did in those locations. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly the same. Hey, I'm Michael Caine over here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, I love that. Ooh, uh, like that, that, that was oh. me. Like that, that was me. Like thinking, oh, I should Andrew Dice Clay thing. I mean, just <laughs> not really going at all. Yeah. Like because Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay is like, oh <laughs> yeah, hey. oh 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 oh. <laughs> we could do, or we replace all the impressions. So yeah, if you want to hear that, a second mini series after, of course, the Fast Bender and the Furious Bender. <laughs> where we do all of uh, Fassbender's films. Um, share, tell your friends. Um, just the Fassbender and the Furious Bender is too good a name yeah, yeah. to not, you know. I mean, Love is Colder Than Death is a good title too. Um, uh, this bunch, our main bunch. Our, ma- our main bunch. Find out that they haven't even, because they still got a couple of bags of coins. Yeah. But they find out that even that was part of the trap. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's just like steel washers that you'd put on a, a screw. And then they they talk and argue about that for a bit. And I think a thing to capture about the Wild Bunch is they love to laugh. They love to laugh. But and also the scene we are describing is at about the forty minute mark of the film. Like oh, the, I'd, I'd I'd say I'd say thirty minute mark. I'd say, but it's still like. The the part so much of the pleasure in this film is how it focuses on violence uh, and, and, and moments of of heightened uh, you know action spectacle yeah. and scale and yeah. which don't, which aren't always violent and it kind of compresses time to make that in a way like the first time you see it or at least my memory like that is a thriller minute film mm. whereas watching it now for the second at least the second, maybe the third time, you are kind of like, oh, that it, it is a film about a group of people who have a fight and then are like, oh, we're going to have another fight. Yeah, and then yeah. they wait two hours to have another fight. Yeah, it definitely feels like a 1960s film still. Yeah, yeah. And then like, it, it is very kind of like languidly paced. and But not like... It, it that that's simply not to... I'm not saying it's bad because yeah, of yeah. that. It's just, it's simply not to modern taste. Yeah. 
um, or at least my modern taste. I think it does do a good job of like spacing out the different like set pieces oh, yeah. over, over the course of the film. Well, and everything you learn, and like that's the interesting thing about this film being on the cusp of kind of classic and new cinema, yeah. just to be incredibly reductive. In that it has this this pace and scale that the old has, but it has a focus on character. Like so much of that time in between is meeting all of the bunch and mm. learning their relationships and seeing flashbacks. This is the first film where we've actually had the screen go ripply like it's water for a flashback, um, which I'm very happy to see. Lucky number thirteen for us. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm, I'm, I am kind of sad that like that's just, just like not a thing that happens in films anymore. Uh, the last I can think of, and I'm almost certainly wrong, is Wayne's World. <laughs> or Wayne's World, duh. Yeah, but like, yes, yeah, so like, yeah, but like, it, it, like these days, any movie that does that is like doing it as a joke. Oh, uh, there is one of those I'm trapped at sea. You know, like underwater or um, the. Uh, are, are you talking about? Uh, are you talking about? Uh, the Shallows of Blake Lively. No, uh, there's another one. Like, that movie's got a lot of flashbacks. Um, yeah, and maybe it's that that does it. Does Open Water also do flashbacks? Uh, I haven't seen Open Water. Open Water is a... Fi- oh, I've, I've only seen The Shallows starring Blake Lively. The Shallows starring Blake Lively is good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Directed by Jean Colletzera, who makes a lot of uh, Liam Neeson's uh, action movies. Yeah. Um, F- fun, fun, fun director. Uh, it's good. The Shallows would. The thing I love about the Shallows is they made that for ten million dollars, five million dollars of which went on bad CG. And I was like, no, make this for five million dollars and don't show us the shark. Yeah, or just go 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 ask old Stevie Spielberg if you can borrow the if you can borrow Bruce. Bruce sank, didn't he? Oh. I, I, they 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 could get him. They could get him back if he did. I mean, you. He he just all he'd have to do is call up his his best friend in the world, Jim Cameron, yep. and say, "Hey, go down in your fucking submersible that you love so much, and bring up Bruce." Isn't it fucked that James Cameron has been the lowest any human has ever been into the Marianas Trench? And like, if that were me, you just wouldn't have come back. <laughs> oh no! You're like, uh, once you're again, like, oh, I've, 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 I'm finally at an altitude that's like the same as my emotions. <laughs> ah, surrounded by crushing darkness, check. Irretrievable, check. If I try to get to a better place, my lungs explode. Check. You're right. That's a much better joke than the one I was going to go for, which is, uh, isn't it depressing to know that James Cameron has certainly masturbated at a greater depth than <laughs> anyone else in the world? Uh, maybe there's a minor somewhere. Um, Miners, yeah. if you're listening, uh, what's the deepest into the earth? And Spelunkers. Any cave you know, divers, if, really. if, 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 if you are one of the stars of a movie, The Descent, let us know. Yeah. Anyone involved with The Descent, tell us the deepest worst hole you've been in yeah that and, isn't and, directing and specific, hell boy and oh fuck yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh, i was gonna say and like neil marshall you know if you want to get in touch with us first you have to apologize for making Hellboy. <laughs> it's not his fault no it, it's it's not but like he's the easiest person to blame no the easiest person to blame is scott alley who is uh the kind of head of hellboy division at dark horse comics 
um, working with Mike Mignola. He, mm. write, he co-writes or writes a lot of them, the BPRD ones, which are in fact quite good. And he is also, he has quite a big control over like the brand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think I don't have any particular reason to blame him for Hellboy the film, but also uh, he was a known pervert and sex pest in the industry for over 20 years. Oh, no. Uh, and, and so let's blame him. Okay. No, that, that sounds yeah. good. Um, yeah. Fuck you, Scott Alley. I was in the middle of reading all of Hellboy in publication order when I found that out, and it was genuinely annoying to have to stop. <laughs> But to be clear... And to be clear, that's the worst part of it. No, no, no. No, 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 no. My annoyance is but a drop of water in the epic ocean of other people's more important grievances <laughs> with Scott Alley. So we kind of set up... And the Mexican army, they encounter them, right? Uh, yeah, so William Holden and Ernest Borgnine, who are both like getting old and realizing that they can't keep being a wild bunch for, for that much longer. Yeah. They, they, they decide the, they, they want to make like one like, last big score and then get out of the life, as it were. They go to a town in Mexico uh, that is controlled by a general played by a man called Emilio Fernandez, who at this point uh, had been uh, making films uh, for 40 years, which is... Uh, like he, he's he's not that old in the movie. No, he, not he's, at all. He's like he's like mid fifties. It yeah. seems like. Yeah, he'd been making movies for forty years and had another seventeen years of making movies uh, after him, which is it's incredible. Too much. Retire, man. Yeah, retire, bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, he's dead now, so you know. good. I'm glad he took my advice. <laughs> And so, the, 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 uh, uh, so they meet this general when one of the members of a gang, who is a man called Angel, I believe he sees his sister go up to the general and like s- sit on his lap. And so he he's, uh, uh, he uh, screams uh, whore at her yeah. in Spanish uh, and then shoots her while she's sitting on the general's lap. Yeah, the uh, general's fine. Yeah, he's fine. And then everyone starts drawing guns at each other and you're like, oh, there's going to be another fight. Uh, but no, everyone's just kind of cool with the fact that, yeah. that this man just shot a woman yeah, in the is, middle of this, at this like dinner. And this showdown is one of two showdowns, which is almost purely zoom based. Yeah. Like so much of it is like, he shoots someone, zoom in a mid shot, zoom in a mid shot, zoom in a mid shot, yeah. zoom in a mid shot. There, there are a lot of very good zooms in this movie. Oh, and it is the thing, like my overwhelming takeaway from this about the wild bunch, a film I am lukewarm on, mm. um, is that we can never see it in its original context because everything like it it's in panavision widescreen yeah like um the idea of playing games with the sound which was largely came from the uh i want to say romeo and juliet what's like crime romeo and juliet Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, right. Um, the Bonnie and Clyde film, which really invented those things. And then even, but even things like those zooms or the amount of mm. slow motion aesthetically, uh, so much of this film is about just being in a room and, where you're able to be like, holy shit, they did that. Yes. Which yeah. is kind of like, that is, uh, yeah, like this is a movie that like invents all subsequent action movies in, in a, in a certain respect. Yeah. And, um, well, it invents like all subsequent, uh, gun-based action movies. Yeah, no, there's a lot of the language, especially in, like, fast-cutting around shooting, that you can see real clear DNA from that to Bayhem, you know? Um, But but because we're so used to spectacle like that, both real and artificial, 
you can never you can never see something like this for the first time. Yeah. Um, this is my first time seeing The Wild Bunch. And I've grown up with, like, all, all the movies were inspired by it. But, like, still seeing these shootouts for the first time oh, yeah, was, like, still, was an incredible experience. Yeah, no, they're still great. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking about, like, the long shots of the landscape yeah. in between where you're like, yeah, no, I know. Every film has, a sh- <laughs> has shots like this yeah, of the no, landscape. No, fair, fair, I get yeah. it. Nature is beautiful. Um, come on, Sam. Um, yeah, so Angel shoots his sister. Uh, everyone draws guns on each other. Then the general and two like two like suspicious uh, German guys who who are yep. um, who are, uh, who are helping to supply him with, with guns. That uh, they basically say, "Oh, you know, uh, you you guys seem good at uh, killing people. Why, why don't you uh, work for us and and uh, 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 why don't you steal some guns uh, for us yep. for, for, from an army convoy and we'll pay you a lot of money." Yep. And so then. Uh, then there is a large portion of the movie that is about uh, uh, is about our, our, our main uh, bunch uh, trying to steal these guns while they are being pursued by uh, while they're being pursued by Robert Ryan's bunch. Yeah, uh, and, and it ends up the guns end up like there's a lot of planning, mm. um, but then also like the actual heist sequence is maybe twenty minutes or maybe a bit shorter than that, but yeah. it keeps like. It's on a train carriage, which they manage to stop, but then it starts moving again, and they're on a moving train. And, yeah, um, and uh, like in the scene where they hold up the train, uh, you have our main group who are hidden all around the landscape and waiting for the train to stop, Yeah, and then they come out with guns, and sitting inside the train car, uh, you have all the people who have been sent to, uh, uh, who have been sent to find them. And so they have to conduct this train heist, like, in complete silence. Yeah. And it is, this movie is kind of like known for its, like, bombast. Yeah. This scene is is just like entirely about like tension and and do it and yeah and things and things like having to be silent and, and i think like, like the, the, this scene works like just as well as as any of the other scenes oh absolutely i'm not i'm not casting shade because hmm. uh, there is no shade to be seen in the sunny climbs of the wild bunch um but uh it's film 101, but like contrast is what makes anything meaningful in, yeah. in any narrative. And it is like Peckinpah for all of his uh, thirst for blood and uh, increasingly problematic filmmaking decisions um, absolutely understands that the, the, the way a gunshot hits is the silence before it, right? Yeah. And like that is writ large throughout the whole film. Uh, in a way that is, you know, it's still impressive craft today. Yeah, and so, uh, so they're able to, um, uh, they're able to un- unlink the, the the train car with all of the soldiers inside of it from the the main locomotive, and they they go up, they uh, go off with all, all of the they go off with all the guns. Then uh, it turns out this was also supposed to be sort of a trap, and yeah. it turns out that the train car has like a bunch of horses inside it, and they yeah. start chasing them on horses. But the train's going too fast. They get around a few corners, yeah. unload all the guns onto a cart, uh, and then they they put the train back in reverse and yeah. send it back. Uh, de- de- uh, they send it back down 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 the like track uh, to to uh, basically fuck fuck with the, the rest of them. Um, all the while, uh, while laying explosives around the bridge to blow it up so they can't be followed. Yeah. Um, uh, and the bridge explodes, and it's great, and four guys on horses in it fall into the water. This was the thing that made me be like, oh, uh, a horse just died. But in Googling that, I found out 
an equally troubling fact, um, which is people cared so little for safety on this set that, that for the stunt they had the set of ex, uh, of of explosives rigged across the bridge, under the bridge, and uh, and it would only be safe for the people falling to hit the water after all the explosions had gone off, yeah. or else they're just landing in a bomb. Uh, and the stunt supervisor was like, oh, we need to work out a way to stop the explosions in case someone falls in the water. And everyone was like, shmoo, 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 it's fine. I'm just going to go on to my next job. It's about some kids in Vietnam. There's a helicopter involved. Um, and so what the stunt supervisor did was pay someone to stand befi- behind the man operating the explosions so that if someone fell into the water while the explosions were going off, that person could knock out the explosions operator. And that is kind of all you need to know about this film yeah, in a way. That, 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 that is what uh, filmmaking looked like before health and safety regulations existed. And like before moral, like, <laughs> like I understand oh, yeah. they didn't have rules to follow, but there's a safer way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, a, it's a good bridge explosion. Oh yeah, no, and and that's the end of this uh, increasingly climactic building of tension heist sequence, mm. which is like, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the film, but if not, see the film. You yeah. know, uh, whether it's good or bad is, I think, almost in the eye of the viewer. Um, but like the way, like I think, a particular plague in our modern cinema is the. You know, the innovation of the action beat being the middle of Act 2 um, was then superseded by what if the whole second f- half of the film is an action sequence? Yeah. Which like, means... Like John Wick 3. Uh, I remember the like, first time I saw John Wick 3 in the theatre, it got to a point where like, okay, the, the movie's going to end here and it's setting up the next film. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, there's another 40 minutes left and it's all one action sequence. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah. Um, uh and that also knows how to like build and release mm. tension over that time without ever feeling like the action has stopped. Yeah. But there are so many cases, and I think like the biggest mark you can make against uh, Kathleen Kennedy's Star Wars films in general, like there are lots of individual marks you can make against them. Mm, Not enough else. Jar Jar, Darth Maul's only in one of them. Zero interesting creative decisions. I mean, Last Jedi. Then they take the oh, right. yeah, doing yeah. all the interesting creative decisions of The Last Jedi. Well, they would have if they made a sequel, but unfortunately, because The Last Jedi did so well and was so universally acclaimed, and because fan reaction specifically to uh, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, yep. it was so positive that and, she got awarded an Oscar on Instagram. Yeah, and people said... You know what? This this is I I love that you guys took out all the eugenics bullshit in Star Wars. Yeah, I yeah, all the fans universally together would say, uh, yeah, taking a story about just destroying fascism and making it clear that it is about doing the right thing, not just fighting for the side you are on, uh, and that we should trust those who have earned our respect. I don't like those as ideas. What I want to see is Andy Circus in a jar. Well, what I want to see is the same movie I've already seen four other times. Um, but yeah, across Kathleen Kennedy's things is that they all have this and they all, the reason they all feel too long 
is because the second half is always just relentless build and you just know that people are trying to like, no, we can just have a lull in this. Yeah. And that someone somewhere, maybe not Kathleen Kennedy herself, was just like, what is this? It's boring. I want them to fight on the salt planet, please. Um, and like part of the success of Last Jedi is just always making sure the action has a character purpose yeah. as opposed to pick an example off the top of my head, uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, which is the most Kathleen Kennedy Star Wars film that neither is involved in. Though, okay, do you know what would turn me around on Avengers Endgame? Well, I, I just think you're, you're forgetting the, the, the character beat where all the women get in the same shot together and then they go, hmm? <laughs> yeah, women? Um, you see? Yeah. We, like, we, we make things that women can watch as well. Yeah. They're real. These, these are ones we haven't thrown off a cliff yet. Um, <laughs> uh, and then what uh, is if when all those portals opened and, you know, everyone who you knew was going to come back came back. Yep. If also like the portals to the rest of the Disney universe. So like fucking sadness from inside out is there. Yep. Or the like dragon, the, the like dragon version of Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. And then like who better to take out um, Thanos than fucking Darth Vader. I can see how Ready Player One happened. I'm just realizing it now. I I can see how someone would end up with that as a good idea because that would be, imagine if instead of the Falcon being saying like on your left when all those portals Mm. opened, it's in fact like, and it's goofy. So the what bunch is kind of, structured around three action sequences, one in the mm. beginning, one at the middle, one at the end, the opening shootout, the heist in the middle, which kind of gently rolls and then breaks into the ending, right? Yeah, and so after the train heist and, and the shootout, they take all the guns back to the general and they claim the reward, but it turns out that Angel uh, stole one of the boxes of guns. Yeah. And so they basically hand him over to, to the general uh, uh, to, to, to be tortured. And uh, they try to go for in separate ways. Um, now it, it, it's only uh, William Holden, uh, Ernest Borgnine, and the two Gorch brothers left. Uh, but they they get the feeling like you know they they they, they can't leave him behind. And uh, and so that they they decide uh, fuck it. Uh, we 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 know this is probably gonna we know this is probably gonna kill us. Uh, but. Like, they have to do the right like they, they, they have they, they have to do the right thing and yeah. also and for like the first time it's very much a moment of like we've done we've we've done these acts of violence for the wrong reason so many times now let's at least do it for the right reason yeah. once and i think there's a scene where william holden has just had sex with a prostitute and he looks over and sees her like baby in the corner yeah. and just sort of realizes like oh yeah i've wasted my life yeah like i i have i have done nothing of value I've just I've just killed people and I've stolen. I haven't I haven't like I haven't created anything. I haven't yeah. loved anyone, and so I'm going to go out doing this like the closest thing I can achieve to an act of kindness. Yeah, and uh, so they 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 all go back in, into into the town. The whole town is having a, a big like party now to basically celebrate. Oh, we've got these guns now, so we can fight off these rebels. We're we're, we're going to be okay. And uh, they they uh, they they demand Angel back. Yeah, uh, and like the, the, this is after the, the general has like dragged him around on the ground uh, behind his car, and there's a great shot where like um, so a- Angel is like tied with ropes to, to the back of the car, he's being dragged yeah. on the ground, and uh, the camera's like mounted on the back of the car, 
And uh, as they're driving along, you see some children's like running behind them, and some of the children's like just jump on Angel and like start riding him. Yeah, that's another case where you're like, yeah, couldn't do that today. No, and I think with very good reason. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that that uh, uh, so that they they go to general that they, they demand Angel back, and he says, "Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll give you Angel back." And he walks right up to him, uh, and then he slits Angel's throat open, uh, and William Holden uh, pulls out a gun and shoots the general dead. Uh, and it's that is, uh, it's interesting because of course that moment is supposed to be cu- is uh, the th- the moment that makes me immediately think about is of course like. Uh, turning against Candy and Django because yeah. it is like, what is this one step of violence too far? Hmm. Um, and and, and, and where is that? F- I think it's, it's also like so like t- taking the guy who should be like this like the most dangerous, yeah. baddest guy, and and killing him sort of first. Yeah, uh, uh, and the reason it works here, and I don't think like there's a lot that I think works in Django, mm-hmm. um, the Australian accents for one. Um, uh, I I don't think that works, and it's because we have built everyone in it as such a storybook character. But we have spent at that point two hours meeting and loving it. Like Angel is, is a scamp, you yeah. know. And, and so, in a film full of death, that drenched in it, where I would not be surprised if the body count was literally in the thousands. Uh, I definitely can't think of a movie from this era that has a higher body count. Um, and I, I, I'd say, like, until, like, Rambo 3, there probably isn't anything with a higher body count than oh, this. And it is just the very fact that you then, that even in that, in, like, a film that glorifies and kind of venerates violence, that it can still have a moment that is affecting. Yeah, yeah. Like that... Um, yeah shows the skill mm. that that is here and shows kind of like how you do this in a not shit way yeah. you know and it's like uh, uh, after the general has been like executed by by William Holden uh, it just expl- it just explodes into yeah. like uh into like you know, this like open, the opening shootout of the movie is saying like you've never seen anything like this. This is the biggest, craziest, most violent shootout you've ever seen. And then the final shootout of the movie is saying, "Yeah, fuck that. That first shootout that was garbage. Yeah, that's... this this is this is the real stuff. Yeah, and it it is it's like seven minutes of of <laughs> of just pure fucking chaos and squibs and machine guns, and it is. I know it, it is. It is absolutely. It is, it is absolutely masterful action filmmaking. Yeah, um, and like it, it's not something you can really talk about. Like you, you have you have to see you 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 have you have to see the, the these scenes. Well, and it has like there. Uh, uh, and, and an interesting thing I was thinking about watching this is because, like, as much as I think a lot of like people who decry violence in media don't really engage with the violence they decry or the media that they, they decry. Mm. I think they do have a lot of points in that there are a lot of films that are essentially like, fuck, isn't it cool that these people are dying? Um, and I and I think that a lot of the time the real joy of the spectacle of violence in cinema is like as we've talked like dance it's like yeah. can you believe we achieved this yeah like can, like it's not about a going 
oh look is look how fucking real this looks or look how fucking cool it is these people that these people die yeah um it's about being like oh how what it's crazy it's the same as seeing a giant monster uh in a way and i think peck and pa understands that at least in this film i think um straw dogs especially has a, a dark heart from which the film doesn't it's, right it's full of hate like it is kind of happy those people are dying. Oh, okay, and I'm 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 taking a very long journey to 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 my one caveat on everyone should watch mm. this film, but like a big part of that is the fact that like the deaths are all bloody and tragic, and everyone's like really dead, and it and like the fun like it's not fun. It's invigorating because it's spectacle. It's like yeah. holy shit, it it like the pleasure is slightly disconnected from the death. Yes. Yeah. Um, in a, in a, in a way I really like, which is to say, um, this like for, if I could really understand people really not liking this violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a, and not in a taste way, but in a, like there, there people have different thresholds of pain. Mm. Um, yeah, my and, my my my, yeah. my, my mum would would never be able to 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 watch this movie. Yeah, I showed her. You were never really here, and I think she, she was she was like mostly okay with that. I just like that. All I know of your mother right now is that you've shown her. You were never really here, yeah. and played her face shopping by Sophie. Yeah, and and. You, Here's what I'm on. Is that she, she she puts up with it? Oh yeah, she, no, she's the, the single nicest person in the world, and pretty much everyone dies in this uh, big yeah. massive final shootout. The only one who doesn't is old leader Bunch, right? No, no, he 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 dies. Oh no, of the other bunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. so, um, so uh, after all of the, the the main group have died, there are just like some shots of the town square just like littered with bodies. Yeah, and ju- just as with the the first shootout, Saint Pierre really like lingers on the like on on the the, the on the like just the like sheer level of human carnage. Yeah, and. Uh, um, so as uh, yeah, after everyone's dead, the group led by Robert Ryan, who are pursuing the main group, they arrive at the town, and all of Robert Ryan's uh, helpers that he that he hates, uh, that, that he, they immediately start like looting bodies. They're going around, you know, they're, they're taking people's guns, they're, they're taking people's yeah. shoes, and they're, they're just totally like they're they're only interested in in money, and they have no sort of like respect for. For the 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 amount of lives that that, that were just lost, which and is something we have seen, like the point of the scene way earlier, where they're like, "Should we?" When he kills the guy who can't come with them on a horse, mm. is that they then stay and give him a proper burial? Yeah. Um. So that that's like it's a and clear and intended point of opposition. Yeah. He becomes sort of disgusted with the whole thing. And he walks up out of town, doesn't even bother collecting the, the bodies to pay their bounties, yeah. and and to like get get him the, the uh, get him the pardon that, that he wanted. And he just goes and sits outside of town and and lets his goons kind of go off with, with the bodies. Yeah, and uh, they they go off, and he he just sits there uh, a little while later. A man called Sykes. Who has sort of been like helping the, yeah. the uh, been helping the, the 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 main gang the whole time? He comes along and he basically says to Robert Ryan, "We met up with you guys and we we killed all of them, and we gave all all of our guys a proper burial." And then says, "We've got a new job coming up. You want to get in on it?" And Robert Ryan just sort of sits there and then begins to laugh, and then Sykes begins to laugh, and then that's the end of the movie. So Finn, yes. 
which of those bunches do you think is the wildest? Okay, so um, if we're going top to bottom. Number one, uh, fire ants. Yeah, wild. Absolutely. Uh, n- uh, 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 so no- num- number two uh, would be uh, those evil children. Yep. Uh, number three is the the like main group of guys. Yeah. Number four, I, I would say would be this like generals men. Yeah. Because they're, they're like, dragging dudes around with cars. They're doing they're like letting off fireworks later. And there is a, a very uh, funny uh, scene where they um, uh, where they get a machine gun for the first time. Yeah, and uh, they, uh, they, they, <laughs> they there's just some good uh, machine gun goofs. Yeah, um, slapstick murders. Yeah, accidental funny games. And then uh, uh, sort of the, the, the like least wild of the bunches of of the bunches that are at all wild would be would be Robert Ryan's bunch. Okay, and who are the remaining bunches? Uh, we've got the Temperance Movement. I mean, are, no, not wild yeah, at all. The least wild. Yeah. Um, As a member of the Temperance Movement, essentially, would you call yourself wild? Uh, no. Uh, so no, you're I'm, just I'm, a crazy I'm, guy, not a wild and crazy guy. Yeah. I, I am. I am not. I'm not as much like Steve Martin as I'd like to be. I mean. You're already an art collector and playwright, and you worked at a Disneyland mo- magic shop. Yep, and I'm a great banjo player. Uh, banjist. Oh, I've thought, okay, so Finn, the wild bunch. The wild bunch. Is it shite or sound? I, I would say that because I liked it more than you, I'd call it sound. Yeah. Whereas if you liked it more, I'd say it's shite. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say it's shite, and I think... Those, uh, uh, as we were talking off mic for the one minute of our lives where we do not talk recorded by a microphone, um, uh, uh, you took those two shootouts mm. and, and the train sections of the heist and blowing up the bridge are action spectacle par excellence. Yeah. I'm not fucking arguing with those defining texts. But I, uh, uh, and especially with how it's influenced what's come mm. after it. But like, I kind, I kind of want to stand on my rule of you don't get points for being first to the party. Yeah. And if this was the only time we saw action like that, I would be like, well, yeah, you know, mm. uh, in the way that like, it's kind of hard uh, in modern sci-fi action to move past the Matrix because no one has done the Matrix as well as the Matrix yet. Yeah. Um, I mean we may see when we eventually get to ballistic X versus sever and like all the pleasure points within that kind of uh, genre are things like equilibrium where you're like, Oh, this is fun. It's almost the matrix. Yeah. A lot of what I thought while watching is cause it's nice, nice sunny summer day, even though it's spring because the world is ending. Yep. Um, and like, there's nothing better than watching a, a, a Western film with a mate and like enjoying it in this context is great. But also I did, uh, and you talked about the influence of uh, spaghetti westerns uh, on it, which is to say Italian westerns. Um, And and so I just kept being like, oh, I'm about to say something that if someone said it about a film I liked, I'd get really pissed off. But it's like, I I don't see the point of praising this film and putting it on the list when the good and the bad and the ugly isn't on there. You know, yeah. When it is just like Leone, just does it better and harder. You know, I, 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 well, I, I he think does it more fair. to my taste. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean, like, same. Like that is like one of my one of my favorite films. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Walpole Good for Bad is is better than this. Yeah. And 
is also more to my taste. And it, it never gets quite as crazy as this one does. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it it's not. And, uh, I think there there is something to be said for for just like the the the, the sheer like. All of the showdowns in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly are very like small scale. It's oh, like, right. it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a couple of guys versus a couple of guys. Yeah. Whereas th- this movie just goes so far into crazy. Like, yeah, you're you're absolutely yeah. right. And I guess what I'm saying is that I think The Wild Bunch is a good action film, but a bad western. Part of the brilliance of what Leone did is that by not making them in America and not really making them with many Americans. Yeah. Um, is that he took this fundamental colonizer narrative and said, if I just play this as pictures, what, and it kind of evolves into like a folk myth idea. Mm. Like no, no one watches any of the Leone Westerns with the possible exception of Once Upon a Time in the West, but I won't talk about that because we'll get to it. Because yeah. it, um, it is that he, is that there's no attempt to make them seem like, any kind of historical accurate reflection that it's yeah. it's a bit it's as much it's as real as like an alien planet in a sci-fi show mm. um and connecting this to the real world i think is an unforced error especially considering because this is not an adaptation of anything which is relatively mm. rare rare for for westerns um and it's also, its story was invented by one of the actors who played the Marlboro Man, and so like if you're smart enough to uh, smoke professionally, like if I could vape professionally, yeah, vape sponsors out there, get get, get in the comments. I'm just being very careful to not be like, well, it's racist now, um, because that's true of literally everything. Yeah. But I think there were decisions they made at the time that were bad and wouldn't have hurt the film commercially anyway yeah no, um, but like you should still see it it's just still shite and i say that as youth are shite so finn blood rain 2 deliverance also known as blood rain 2 or blood rain deliverance is a 2007 direct-to-dvd western horror film <laughs> set in 1880s america and directed by uve ball the film is a sequel to the 2005 film Blood Rain, which was also directed by Uwe Boll, and stars Christana Loken, the T the T T X. Yep. Um from, in, from, from Terminator 3, Rise of a Machine. Yeah. Um in Deliverance, Natasia Malth replaces Loken in the read, in the lead role. Blood Rain 2 Deliverance received generally negative reviews. It holds a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on five reviews, with critics planning it as slow-paced, dry, and anything but sexy. Furthermore, it was seen that the movie made similar mistakes to the first installment, a dry script, limited action sequences, and poor acting by its lead performers. A sequel titled Blood Rain, (laughs) The Third Reich, featured Featuring Natasha Mouth was released in 2011. Okay, it's, so don't, don't talk too much about that because we, we're, we're going to get to that. Um, its budget was $10 million. Newton Pines, Chris Coppola, a reporter on assignment okay, okay, for the okay, Chicago... Okay, okay. Cro- no, okay, so... Okay, so... Um, Finn. Yes. Blood Rain 2, Deliverance, Shite or uh, Sour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so this film... Uh, um, just before we get into talking about uh, Blood Rain 2 Deliverance, yeah. uh, uh, I'm just going to read uh, the names of all of Uwe Boll's movies. German Fried Movie. 
Barschel, Mord und Gunf, Amokloff, Das Erste Semester, Sanctimony, Blackwoods, Heart of America, House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Blood Rain, In the Name of a King, They Wait, Blood Rain 2 Deliverance, Postal, Seed, Tolerats, Far Cry, Darfur, Oh no. Oh, it's got Billy Zane in that one, and Edward Furlong. The Final Storm, Max Schmeling, Auschwitz, Blubberella, Blood Rain, The Third Reich, In the Name of the King 2, Two Worlds, Assault on Wall Street, Suddenly, uh, which I assume is not the movie with Sterling Hayden and Frank Sinatra in it. He had a segment called The Basement in a horror anthology called The Profane Exhibit. In the name of the King 3, The Last Mission, the Rampage, Capital Punishment, the Rampage, President Down, which is when uh, the star of Rampage comes out of hiding after faking his death at the end of the first Rampage and then goes and kills the government. Can you, because you've seen all the Rampage films. No, I've seen the first Rampage uh, okay. film Can, and I do not intend to see the rest. Is it just a guy just killing lots of people? Uh, yeah. Okay. So it, it's it's about a guy, um, sounds very similar to Wanted, but it's about a guy who, who uh, discovers that his girlfriend's having an affair. And uh, uh, that sends him, uh, makes him go crazy. Can I crazy. just tell you that I already am dreading whatever you're about to tell me yeah, comes no, next. No, so it's, it's it's a movie about a guy who discovers that his girlfriend is having an affair, who builds himself like a suit of body armor, yeah. and gets a lot of guns, and he just walks around his town just killing everyone. And then at, at, at the end of the film, he frames the he frames his best friend who was sleeping with his girlfriend, he frames him for the murders and fakes his own death, and then goes into hiding. It's uh, it's abs- absolute trash. Um, I think the important thing for the audience, if you're not uh, 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 familiar with uh, the work of Mr. Ball, the, the the important thing to know about him is that he used to threaten uh, to fight uh, critics uh, who didn't like his films, and then he did. Yeah, uh, and by all accounts, there are a couple of, a couple of great pieces written by the critics who fought him. Mm. Um, and, and I cannot remember the names of the authors, but I highly recommend you you look them up. And the point that Wait, if, you, me, if you go on the Shite and Sound Twitter page, we we, we will yeah. we will have put, we will post some of them on there. Is that I believe more than one of those pieces uh, expresses the sentiment that they were like, oh, it'll be good fun. It's for charity, you mm. know. Like this is the kind of silly thing we should do more. Imagine, um, and you know, we'll just knock each other around. It'll yeah. be boxing, and then they got in there and they were like, oh no. He really wants to hurt me. Yeah, he's very angry <laughs> and is actually attacking me. Yeah, so 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 he used to have a he used to have a letterboxed account. Yeah. where he would post <laughs> incredibly contrarian reviews of things, and uh, then uh, uh, then his account got banned. Why? I I, I can't remember why it got banned, but it was, oh, it was a banned it was banned earlier this year. It was like, this is very recent. His, um, his account got banned because I think he was just being too much of a shithead to people. Um, and yeah, there, there are, but I think if you're, but yeah, so if, if you're not familiar with him, he is like, people compare him to this like modern day Ed Wood, but which he, I think yeah. misses a lot of the point of Ed Wood. Yeah. Ed, Ed Wood is someone who is so painfully sincere. He's yeah. blind to his own artistic failings. Yeah. Whereas Uwe Boll is, uh, just a, a guy who makes uh, movies uh, specifically uh, to take advantage of tax loopholes. Well, they, and like the reason he has not made films recently mm. and he keeps attempting to kickstart things and fail oh, okay. um, is I, be- I, I believe has kind of revealed, this is half remembered information, so I, I don't, yeah. don't fully trust me. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Um, but it is something to do with the reason his films have dried up is because they were basically all possible by the interaction between um, 
by like a weird loophole interaction between uh, German film funding tax law and Vancouver's tax write-offs. Right. Um, yeah, the, 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 this film was was made in like was made in Ontario, yeah, and, and or, or okay, yeah. Then, then Canada, yeah. Uh, um, and I think it's very specific, and I and like that's why almost all of his films are shot there. Um, and the only one I, that off the top of my head wasn't is in the name of the king, but that was his attempt at like a, that's a sixty million dollar yeah. film, uh, and yeah, the fact that that loophole was closed and he stopped making films, but like the key thing I want to express to the audience. Um, is that as much as it may sound like we are just ragging on Uwe Boll because he's just a guy who makes films whose political viewpoint we disagree with, and we, I just very strongly want to state that yes. I do. Um, it is that also they are bad, bordering on incompetent, um, and not and not fun to watch. Yeah, and not and there's this there's not even like you know how there's the sense of like well what part of half of the room is like fuck this is crazy and then half of the room is like holy shit this is what this guy thought movies are like yeah watching Uwe Boll you're like oh I get it I get you kind I know what kind of film you've kind of seen and you've just decided I want to do that again yeah but slightly lazier yeah um, it's, like, it's like yeah so I've seen this and Rampage now and like and Rampage is like a lot more competent than this yeah it's it's still it's still very bad, but it it feels it like it, it was playing on Sky Movies, and like it feels like a movie that would play on Sky Movies. Yeah. Whereas this seems like something you'd like watch on YouTube. It very much has an aesthetic of you know when um I'm gonna choose Rooster Teeth as a example, but a lot of their work I understand people really like. This mm. is not I'm gonna I'm I'm using them as a as an example because I've picked their name from the air, but like when YouTube groups who are famous for like reviews or uh, like channel awesome did things like this yeah. as well and then they're like oh we're finally gonna we're not gonna do reviews anymore we're gonna make a film yeah and and some of those are good i understand or like to the audience like scott the was who's a video youtuber i, uh, I love mm. um essentially over this year made a feature film about three reviews of bad nintendo films um and it's like entertaining for what it is and some are terrible, which I'm sure we'll eventually watch. But it is very much like there's a sense of an aesthetic where the, everyone on screen, even the actors you've seen in other roles, mm. you're like, oh, no, this this makes sense if I know that you're the angry sci-fi nerd and you watch old episodes of Andromeda and yell about it. Or, yeah. oh, look, it's that guy, um, you know, the, like the guy... Like Billy, okay, are you ready for a log line? Billy the Kid is a vampire, and Blood Rain is coming to stop him. That that sounds exciting. Yeah, I'd it, watch that movie. It, uh, you did, and it's not. Yeah, um, it's like the, 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 this movie just like takes a bunch of like like I, ideas from from other westerns I and mean, does them incredibly badly. Not just badly, but like with no conviction. Yeah. There's this whole thing about this like railroad coming through town, but like it's not important. There's never any part of the film where the railroad means anything. There is never any point where like where it, it where we actually see the railroad. Yeah. It, it's just a thing that's mentioned because he's like, oh yeah, and once upon a time the West, it's all about the railroad coming through town. Um and in one scene towards the end, 
um, Billy the Kid is like, um, when the train tracks finally arrive here, I'm going to use the train system to fill the world with vampires. Um, but that's entirely located within one scene and never referred to again, like yeah. almost everything in this film. Um, there are a lot of weird things in the script of this film that genuinely make it feel like a rushed first draft that hasn't even been spell checked. Like there are a lot of lines that use the same word twice when yeah. using different words would have been better. Yeah. The like, basic plot of the film is, is that Billy the Kid is going around, he is killing homesteaders and he is kidnapping the children. Yep. And see, in that scene, it's, I said Billy the Kid and kidnapping children. Yeah. In the movie, there's a scene where someone says like, Billy the Kid has taken my kid. Yeah. And it's and, like, no, that, that that sounds bad. Yeah, and just hear it out loud. You know, mm. you're on set. Just change that to children or like tykes or something. Yeah, like I'm I'm sure that, uh, like even if even if you're one of the actors, just just say a different word. I'm, I'm sure Uwe isn't like overly precious about his scripts. Um well especially well he No, he 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 didn't write he didn't write this one. Um but and like there is like almost every other line is either a cliche or feels like a cliche mm. to the point where like listing them would be a cliche in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but so the first, uh, it's a hundred minutes, a hundred minutes in blood rain town. So the first thing we get is very long opening credits and very long, um, uh, lots of producer names, almost yeah. as if a tax loophole is allowing them to get their money back. Um, and it's, uh, the credits show over only the finest uh, Wild West stock fi- stock pictures money can buy. Yeah, and it's like stock it's like stock footage, but it is like basically trying. There's like trying to tell the story of Blood Rain. Uh, uh, sorry, of of Rain. Her, her name isn't Blood Rain. Her name's just Rain. She likes blood because she's a vampire. Yeah, um, it, it's like she's it's, not it, a vampire. She's a vampire, half human, half yeah, vampire. Sure. But like it, it's it's like how. It's like how they call me movie sad Finn because I like movies and sadness. Yeah, and my name is Finn. But um, so there's like sound. There's there's like a picture of a castle, and then there's a picture of like a boat, and then there's a picture of like a wagon. Then there's a picture of like the Civil War. Yeah, and so it's just like you're you're supposed to get from these like seven pictures. Okay, so after the events of the last movie, Rain left Europe. Uh, I guess uh, she got surgery to look like a different person. Uh, then uh, she went to America and decided to become a cowboy, and yeah. now she's uh, a vampire cowboy in the Old West. And uh, can't wait to see her. Hope it doesn't take 20 to 30 minutes for her to arrive in this film. But anyway, after we've gotten this extended opening credits, the you know, with a uh, score that is the Once Upon a Time in the West score, but changed just enough so they can legally use it, probably. Yeah, it, uh, throughout, throughout the entire film, I was just getting mad every time the score came on because it's just the theme of the character of Cheyenne from Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time in the West has... I rewatched that and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly early this year. And like it, everyone goes on about Good, the Bad, and the Ugly score because it's incredible. Yeah. And it, it, it has higher highs than yeah. the Once Upon a Time in the West score. But I think the, I think the score for Once Upon a Time in the West is so immaculate i think it is just like if there are like four main character themes and each one of them is perfect and uh, i think like yeah. cheyenne's is, is my favorite one and to hear a sort of like shitty second-rate version of that theme in this movie just felt like even more of an insult than the movie already was well yeah um it, it's certainly the biggest scoring scandal of my week apart from uh I found out after we recorded the episode 
that Johnny Greenwood wrote and recorded a score for the snowman that wasn't used. Well, you know, yes, I, I, I did hear that. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I knew that. And then, the, yeah, and then they use like the Marco Beltrami. Yeah, they use Marco Beltrami's shitty score. Like, I of of all the totally baffling things of a snowman, that 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 is something like that is such an easy. If a score existed. Yeah, why would why would you not use it? Um, I, I hope it's because Johnny Greenwood saw the film and said, "Like, no, I'm batting zero for ten yeah, on yeah. like I have not even Norwegian Wood, which like, is, I'll I'll wait another seven years for Lynn Ramsey to do another movie if that's what it. Well, I'll, I'll I'd rather hey, do that than hey, Paul Thomas Anderson. Well, well. I, I I know no, but, but you you were never really here. That's your that's your true love. Yeah, because. Uh, if there's one thing Finn loves, it's hammers. Oof. He loves hammer-related content, yep. nothing else. That, that's why I love uh, Cameron Diaz's first scene in Charlie's Angels' uh, uh, Full Throttle, <laughs> where she's dancing to the fucking song by NC Hammer. But it's Baby Got Back, right? I, I like big butts. No, no. It's, I refuse to No, it's, to it's the one where he talks about it being hammer time. Oh, right. Stop. Hammer time. Yeah, that one. Oh. It's, it's just Cameron Diaz and her boyfriend Joy from Friends. Matt LeBlanc, that's his name. Yeah, I, like certainly my second favorite Mick G film. Your first being, of course. Terminator Salvation. No, no. The first Charlie's Angels film mm. has... Yeah, no, I'm 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 nostalgia blind to it, but I think it's I still think it's fun. It's uh, good. My favorite Mick G film is the the Babysitter, which isn't very good, but it's the only one I've seen all the way through. Ah, with famous OnlyFans user Bella Thorne. <laughs> yep. It's also got Samara Weaving before she got too famous to do the sequel. Look, I mean, look, look. No, there look. is only one fucking sequel with Samara Weaving, and it's called Ready or Not Two, <laughs> and it's in my brain. Look. And, Guess what? She kills even more rich people. No, I, you know, I'm fucking talking about Bitlin Tepfer. Don't you don't. It's too fresh. The world's rejection of Bill and Ted face the music as the uniting carrion called to solve all ills. Yeah, no, like here, here's the thing. Bill and Ted face the music is great. Yeah. And uh, all, all, all four of those central performances are uh, delightful constantly. What? What? Now I'm just trying to think, like, what can happen in Ready or Not 2? Is she like, I'm getting married again? Yeah, no, no. I, I was, yeah, that was going to be my pitch. <laughs> oh, no. It's like... Okay, this, this is what's going to happen. She marries into the family from Knives Out. <laughs> and then she, I, I mean, her and Anna Diamas uh, team up uh, to kill all of them. Um, and then the remaining family members from Parasite, they come in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then they, uh, they, they institute uh, a, a fun new uh, communist government where uh, all the rich people get murdered and many friends is fine. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm now, I've only just realized now that we're missing the obvious issue, which is why I the call f- it Ready or Knives no. uh, Parasite. No, it should it. be called Here I Come, right? Yeah, but it's also, but it's also a sequel to Knives Out and Parasite. Yeah, but you can, now you don't. Knives Out and Parasite are also about people not being seen or people being pursued. Blood rain. So blood rain deliverance. Not to put a sense of dread through Finn with what I'm about to say, but as I was saying about the opening credits, they establish one thing big, which is that this is the Wild West. It and, is the West, and it is wild. And we know there's even more because then we cut to our first scene in which a local journal, a journalist, has come from Chicago, yeah. and his first line is. 
the mm, wow. This is the wild west. This is the wild west. And then he spends a lot of the film being like, oh, this isn't like the wild west. Yeah. And he goes, and, and he, he, is, he is basically playing, uh, uh, he is basically playing Saul Rubinick's character of W.W. Beauchamp yeah. uh, from Unforgiven. Uh, but instead of being uh, really good, uh, like Saul Rubinick's character of W.W. W. Beauchamp in <laughs> yeah. Unforgiven, uh, it is really bad. He, like whoever this guy is. Well, and the beginning of the weird kind of bizarre, shifting, untraceable movements of this plot uh, that we start with him, viewpoint character. Will he remain viewpoint character? No. No. Um, but he goes, he meets the mayor. The mayor is like, well, when we named this town Deliverance, we didn't want it to be wild. We wanted it to be a home of innovation. Like you want, you're starting a new town and you want it to be like the cluster, the mm. center of a community, where people to come together, share ideas, collaborate. What shall we call it? Deliverance. Let's call it Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, Starring TJ Miller. I mean, they, he leaves pretty quickly. And Mike Judge. Star of a show, Mike Judge. It's a good show. I especially like how they go out of their way to humiliate TJ Miller's character after he leaves the show. That's good. The, yeah, so he, he also has like... Sort of like the exact opposite character art to Saul Rubinick's character from Unforgiven, yep. where like that, that movie is like very well, like exploring like p- people's like uh, ideas of what the Wild West was, yeah, yeah, and and looking at how um like uh, looking at how uh, 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 people and especially like violent men would like create these uh, would, would create these mythologies around themselves, which then became accepted as fact, and like all all, all that sort of great stuff that, that Unforgiven's about, and then this movie. Starts with him being like, oh, I want to see a real Wild West. Like, I mean, it ends with him being like, oh, now that was some real good fighting. Well, no, it, ends, it. it ends with him as sheriff. Remember? Oh, no, yes. No, you're, you're totally right. I, I forgot that part. Um, yeah, but and, by the end of the movie, he is the sheriff. And I only know that because in that scene, <laughs> he's wearing a giant sheriff's badge. And then someone's like, so you became sheriff. And he says, yes. He, I mean, he taps the badge and says, yes, I'm the sheriff. And, and which is the which is like competent storytelling for this film. Speaking of competent sport storytelling, like I just... It, I want it taken as read that everything about this film is bad. Yeah. And because we're going to skip over a lot. Every element of it is, uh, is appalling. And it, there it, is, it is, it is ugly to look at. It um, is, uh, it is uh, poorly lit. <laughs> like, yeah. It, like it, it's a vampire film. So it's mostly taking place at night, but still like you can, you can make, you can like, there are ways to like light and shoot things at night so that they look great and also there are ways to make darkness look really good but all the darkness looks boring in this movie um uh, yeah Uwe Boll for someone who's directed so many films yeah he, he, he's directed some like 30 feature films uh that looks so that's like this is an Uwe Boll film yeah. you can feel it um I, I say that having yeah, only in, seen in some post- senses he is uh, he is one of he is one of the truest auteurs. But there is no no vis like hmm. you can like what is a motif to him? You hmm. know, like what is a recurring image or style? Um, but anyway, so the journalist is like, I'm here in the Wild West to hear real Wild West stories of the Wild West. So tell me a story, Mister Mayor. Tell me a story about when things got really wild. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is a framing sequence. Yeah. That's why we've spent so much time with these characters. And then the mayor is like, no. <laughs> and so then we cut to uh, a small child uh, sitting opposite her dad going, 
tell me a story when everything like it's a boy, he's a, mm. he's a boy. Um, uh, tell me a story, tell me a wild story, as if like the script writer was like, okay, one of the characters had said no to telling a story. <laughs> I'll try the next one, <laughs> and then the dad is like, no, and so then the script writer is like, oh fuck it, I'll just have a fucking vampire walk in. Yeah, and it's Zach Ward, uh, uh, who has worked a lot with Uve. Um, yeah, this movie is filled with Uve Ball regulars. A little bit later on in the movie, uh, we have the start of a Rampage series. Yeah. Who was in it for? for uh, uh, who was in it for one scene? Uh, and yeah, and Zach Ward is um, very much was the lead in Postal, mm. which is. Is that like his like? Was that one of? Is that like Uwe Boll's like like breakout? As, uh, as like a, in, in in like America. I knew about House of the Dead was the first I heard of him. Oh, okay. Um, but it that doesn't. I was not in America at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So Zach Ward playing Billy the Kid as a vampire, and this is a role that someone like an actor could go real ham on and have a real great time. Yeah. Cowboys and vampires are like two of the most iconic things that you can play as, as an actor. Right. And yeah. There is over a hundred years of both of those types of characters on film. And there, there, there is so much, there is so much richness. There is so much to, to explore in, in both those identities and like to be able to play a cowboy vampire. If, Imagine what a good actor could do with a really villainous cowboy vampire. And because Zach Ward, I don't think, has a real sense of how to control performance mm. rather than just performing. And because obviously Uwe Boll offers no performative support to his cast, yeah. um, it, it, it's just a hideous thing. But the film, like, I did not do the sums, but I could bet you money that he has more screen time than Blood Rain. Um, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it might it might be about equal, but it, the film really like the film really focuses uh, uh, on Billy the Kid. Yeah, in it, the way yeah, that like, the, 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 this this is a Blood Rain film that has very little interest in in Blood Rain. Um, well, because uh, and then yeah, the he fucking comes in, he's fucking menacing. Um, he kills one of the kids by drinking their blood, and of course, uh, because he's a scary, sinister man, he sings a lullaby while he does it in yep. a sinister way. And it's like, as you see, everything is a fucking cliche. Everything is the first thing you expect. So blood rain is hit is hang uh, is, is riding into town or she heard there was some trouble and, um, that she's going to face down with this guy. This is about the 20 minute mark. Yeah. And then well, the, so she, she, she goes to, yeah. to the house of like the first family that, that, that we see him kill. So apparently she was friends with them. Or she, mm. she she knew them. I I thought she would. I thought word got back to her that something. Yeah. Happened there. I thought she was introducing herself, but it just it absolutely doesn't matter. Mm. Um, because then yeah, at about the twenty thirty minute mark, Blood Rain. I know her name is just Rain, yeah. but Blood Rain is like, oh yeah, looks like I'm gonna go have to go fight these guys, and then the next hour of the film is artificial plot roadblock stopping that. Yeah. Like, like she, uh, she, 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 she kills some vampires who are trying to pick a fight with her in a bar. And then she gets sentenced to death for, for, for murder. And then she, she escapes a hanging and then, but yeah, she's, she's weak now because she almost yeah. got killed. So yeah. she teams up with Pat Garrett and then they go around. There's the least interesting like sequence of like getting the team together. Yeah. Do you it, know, it is, it is 
Mm. Well, you know Dread, as in Dread 3D, are the Carl Urban's best film. But like how that, if you describe the plot of that film, it's essentially like Judge Dread and Judge Anderson get locked in a building and fight their way to the top. And it sounds like fucking nothing. But all the somethings and like interesting things they do on that journey. Yeah. Uh, uh, like become the texture of the story, and it's very much it's not the it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? Um, and whereas, like when we say all of these things, another team of vampires come. She's almost hung. Like it is flat and boring. And there's like obviously, I think this film was made very quickly. By my eye, I would not be surprised if they shot for more than two weeks. Mm. Um, uh, even though they had ten million dollars, though I presume a lot of that was um money laundering or went straight to yeah. Uve. In that same amount of time and with like a tenth of that budget, uh, Fastbinder made uh, Ali Ferret's the Soul. Oh, but like, and they, like, not, like, they made Don't Look Now for $2 million. Right, they made, yeah. uh, I thought of, when I was getting angry about The Mandalorian, I thought of, I found a list of, of films that cost a million dollars. But anyway, uh, and so we essentially, and um, the way Billy the Kid is keeping control over the town is that he has all their kids yeah uh and i think an interesting and the reason we haven't talked much about blood rain uh, is that the actress who plays her is um miscast not by appearance but like it's very telling that uh she has the work she has done after this is televised Mm. and, and seems to be largely focused on her appearance which like is an achievement in and of itself. She's not an actor. Uh, as I said at one point while we were watching, she's giving in a, a performance that would win the acting challenge on America's Next Top Model yeah. and nothing more than that. And I want to be clear, I say that as someone who genuinely, sincerely enjoys America's Next mm. Top Model, um, except for its, uh, uh, you know, the couple of contestants that drove to suicide. Um, possibly, possibly. Right. Uh, uh, like the... Um, like I even like the season Rita Ora was the host rather than Tyra. I think she was a much needed breath of fresh air. Um, and yeah, but so- also because like what we know about Rain is that like she likes having her tummy out uh, even in the cold snow. Yeah, so like, for, for for this entire movie, she she, she walks around and like uh, uh, her outfit is like. Uh, uh, is, is like black leather pants. Yeah, I mean, like a crop top, and being like a, a long leather duster, which like doesn't actually button up. It's sort of like there are some buckles sort of around her, like yeah, like around her like midriff. Yeah, and so because she's wearing a crop top and a jacket that doesn't button, you know, it's just like her, her stomach is just like out the entire time and it's snowing for most of the movie. And it's like I guess she's a vampire, so she doesn't have vampire, but so yeah. she doesn't need to be like warm or anything, but like. Uh, no, but it's still, it, it's still such a such a weird costuming decision. Well, it's so it's one of those moments where the male gaze is so obvious. Yeah, but it's also not like of the many failings of this film. This film wants to be sexy. There's lots of sex workers in it. Um, there there are a couple of scenes leading up to or post coital. Um, yeah, pre- or, uh, and it just has never like it's just very bad at being horny. Yeah, in that. Nothing in it is even slightly horny, and like, like we 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 just watched a Sam Peckinpah movie, yeah. Which like say say what you will about his treatment of women, that like he knows he knows how to be horny. I mean, like 
the only things he likes to disembody more than bodies is women's bodies, right? Um, but at least there's... Oh, I mean, like, most of the women who died in the Wild Bunch just got shot. Oh, no, but, like, the bit in the Wild Bunch yeah. where, they're, where they're celebrating and, and they shoot a keg of wine and, and right. two oh, of yes, the guys yes. with, with, with women, like, dance in, the wi- and dance in the wine, making their clothes transparent. It's just like, oh, no, okay, this is a good idea of what horniness is. Is it good? No. But, like, it's horny. Whereas in this, there's a scene where she's interrogating someone about how to get close to Billy the Kid. Yeah, and she's like trying. She like wants to convince this guy like join her vampire hunting gang. Yeah, uh, and so she does it by pretending. Uh, but uh, she she uh, she points a gun at him in bed. She makes him think she's going to sleep with him, and then points a gun at him in bed. And they well, have she, a she, 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 tie, she ties his arms to a bedpost first, yeah. and she pretends like, "Oh, I'm I'm a little yeah. sexy. We're going to do precisely like you expect would happen, but yeah. worse." Um, and and then that scene ends with uh, a hilarious button joke, which is, oh, we're still going to have sex? And you expect her to say no, but instead we cut to someone outside listening to them have sex. And it's... Well, so I I think the person we hear uh, is saying like, oh, preacher? We, uh, we, we saw okay. the preacher go into the other room. Uh, okay, but it's still, okay, it's still okay. implied that, that Ray yeah, has yeah, sex yeah, with yeah. that guy. Um, it just seems... Uh, it still seems... Oh, it seems but the whole, she... The whole yeah, no, she's just... Um, yeah, it's a sequence of poor decisions. Um, and, and so we get up to, and it, part of the joy of this film is you're like, okay, if, they, if they've if they tried to do everything so quickly, it must have been because they were saving up their days for an incredible final fight. Yeah. Um, uh, they were not. Um, no, they, they, they uh, after like 30 minutes of getting this uh, shitty uncharismatic team together, yeah. uh, they, they finally walk into town. Uh, it's the middle of the night. Uh, uh, everything is lit terribly, so like most of the heroes are in shadow for most of it, but not yep. like in like dynamic shadows. Well, there it, are you subs- just can't see them. Um, all of the coming fights, quote unquote fights, uh, have far fewer participants than any of the fights in the Wild Bunch, yep. and make much less geographical, uh, spatial, or narrative sense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and think of all the tools of the trade they had that Peck and Pad doesn't. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, like that's a great point. It is it is amazing, like how how much less coherent these fights between like yeah. two people in one room are than pick and pause fights between like a hundred people in a massive town square. And so, uh, yeah, they, a bunch uh, bunch of people fight each other. A bunch of vampires die. There's so a, then a bunch of the uh, the vampire hunters die as well. Yeah, and then Blood Rain wins. And then is like, I'm gonna go get. I'm going to. Um, I'm gonna go team with what team up with Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Um. And, and that's the end. And hunt the the uh, and hunt the Clanton gang because apparently yeah. they're also vampires. Maybe. Yeah. And then yeah, then that's over. And then it ends with the bit of. Of not uh, Saul Rubinick walking through town, be like, "Oh, that was a, that was some real Wild West stuff." Yeah. I'm the sheriff now. Look at my sheriff badge. I'm the old sheriff. And it is, and like my question for this film is, who are you for? Because uh, my understanding is, it's nothing like the games. Like Western fans looking at it won't be interested in it. There's not. There's just so, like the total amount of fights in it would total one minute of a one hour 40 minute film yeah Um, i think this film doesn't make sense until you know about the tax loophole thing yeah like it's it's not this isn't a movie for people this is a movie for 
for embezzling money. And the one thing it does which is faintly interesting, which I think is pushed on it by its short Mm. shooting, my entirely assumed short shooting schedule, maybe they were just lazy, is that a lot of it is handheld and like a Western that really, really commits to a handheld aesthetic is a really interesting idea to me. And so like a lot of them you're like, oh, that is handheld because it would take three minutes to set up a tripod. And in that time you could get two more shots. Yeah. Um, but there is a scene where they're playing kind of a generic gambling game, which I think is supposed to be poker. Yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's just poker. Yeah. She wins with um, four aces. Cause mm. like, it, like, see, mm. like it's just, it's, it's all a fucking, every bit of it is a cliche. Yeah. I said during it, like if you're, this is the script I would write if someone gave me $5,000 in a weekend to write a vampire Western and it would be like, Oh yeah. Will my name be on it? No. Okay. Sweet as like one pass all the way through, then out the door. Mm. And then I get to buy $5,000 maxes. Um, and then, but during this gambling scene, all the three people she's playing against are all shot in these handheld, close-ups that have this jittery edgy energy as right, you know yeah. I, I'm, I'm welcome to film 101 handheld footage has a jittery handheld energy has a jittery live energy to it and she is shot on a tripod and like purely accidentally almost entirely probably because they were like we don't have time to set up a tripod for each of these guys singles we'll just shoot them handheld yeah but like that does something and like that is um th- that is the f- thing this film tries to do. It fails, but it tries. I'll say it, it, even it, accidentally. But that's the thing I can laud it for. Yeah. You know, I say it, in in the like final showdown, there's like one sort of interesting decision it makes there, uh, which is Rain go. go uh, she's fought through some people. She uh, she goes into the room where Billy the Kid is, and uh, as she opens the door, uh, she like uh, lets loose um, as, as some like rope that was tied on the door handle, and then that drops like a big pillar, and it's going to like hang uh, all the children, and so she catches it at the last second, and she has to kind of like just sort of stand there as as uh, and like hold this pillar in place so so like these like five children don't get hanged yeah and like that 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 is the like one point from like okay this is this is like an this is like an yeah. interesting sort of like dilemma for a character to be in yeah. this is like this is sort of like like this feels like gross and wrong yeah in a way that nothing else in the movie feels um it's the one time that the film engages with child peril in a in a way that is even slightly affecting yeah and this is a film that trades a lot on like the iconography of a grooming pedophile yeah um well which like pretty much pretty much every vampire movie does at yeah, a certain point but often but when they do it it's disturbing and weird yeah. and it the reason we haven't talked about it and been like oh and this film is dumb enough to try and make billy the kid seem like a pedophile is because it's just boring and lame mm. And but the interesting thing with the with the hanging gag is that that is also used to leave Blood Rain from the film Blood Rain out of almost all of the climactic Yeah, yeah so she, she is hanging onto this rope for about five minutes. Yeah, well, like it's cutting to like outside to like the other fights going on around town. But yeah, for, for almost the entirety of the final fight, she is just standing there holding onto a piece of rope and looking worried. Um and. And like it's, Man, it's probably because like sucks. the actress uh, can't fight. Yeah, yeah, but but, but, but like maybe hire stunt, someone who can or stunt doubles. Yeah, like 
It's already dark. We can't tell who people are. Yeah, just get get Doug Jones, put a wig on him. Anyway, um, so I think it's shite. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's the worst. No. Crash is still the worst real movie we've watched. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, but it is, it's... In, in, in uh, the, I think like for, like every episode for like the past four episodes, yeah. uh, I've had a feeling of like, oh, this is the least interested I've been in a film so far. Yeah. And each time we managed to watch a movie, which managed to like make oh, yeah. me even more bored. Yeah, and no, I agree with you. And it also has the slightly snowman sense where it's like, we shouldn't watch this. <laughs> this shouldn't be available to the public. Yeah. Not because it's like, not like how there are some films no one should ever see because they contain crimes. But in a like sense of like, yeah, so when I was asking who is this for, yeah, it's for the money people. Yeah. Oh, uh, 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 and also I should just note, um, uh, 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 in, in, in the credits, the person who did the, the production design is just credited as Tink. Yeah. It's as T-I-N-K. That, that, that's all the information we get. Yeah, and when you called, we tried to look them up, but when you call yourself Tink, it's because you don't want to be found. Yep. Um, so, have you declared your? Do you call it shite? Or I, I, I I called it shite. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so by the time you're hearing this, very soon next week, I think, or the week after, at Bats Theatre for the week of Halloween, uh, we're doing a week long season of my live radio drama podcast, The Witching Hours. It's going to be great. Uh, it's at Bats Theatre in Wellington. And if you're not in Wellington, don't worry, flights are cheap. So please go check that out or uh, listen to the other episodes uh, at thewitchinghours.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter and other social meds as Youther Lives. You can find this podcast uh, on, on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. And just, if anyone's listening, why not? We're also an advice podcast, so send us any advice questions and just with the caveat that the advice we give will only be in the form of suggesting a double bill of films yeah, you can watch. Yeah, but, but just make sure you put um, uh, make sure you put my, my brother, my brother, and me in the in the subject line. Yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll we'll. I mean, my brother and my brother and me aren't replying to all advice with two films. Oh, they'd probably be better advice if they did. Yeah. Hey, the McElroys. This is a call out. This is a call out. Our theme song uh, uh, is The Nuts by Kazam Blam. Uh, you, can, you can find them on Bandcamp. Yep. Uh, and you still don't want to tell people where you are. What are we watching next? In three weeks. We are watching Edward Young's A Brighter Summer Day. Yes, uh, yes, gonna, yes, uh, yes. It's four hours long. Oh, I'm um, so uh, excited. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we both had uh, an incredible time with Yee Yee and. Uh, <sighs> And we're, we're very excited about A Brighter Summer Day. We currently have not yet worked out what film we're going to watch it with. But in a second, a robot will tell you. From Dusk Till Dawn open brackets 1996 close brackets written by and starting Queen Teen Tarantula. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go watch them. I've just been reading about James Dyson, the inventor of the the Dyson, the richest person in England. Oh, okay. 
No, no. Oh, sorry. You're got, you're getting something from your bag. I thought you were about to start talking. I was hoping to slightly irritate you. Just put some nice tension in the intro. Do you want to know what his first invention was? What? The ball barrow. What, what's that? Is that a wheelbarrow but with just like a sphere as the wheel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. Um, uh, and it, it's big enough to carry my huge nuts. <laughs> 